0: Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. You are here today. Happy birthday, Oaks Church. Your fourth birthday. Come on, four years old. Remember, four years old, man. You're finally starting to figure some stuff out. You're getting dressed by yourself. Put your pants on backwards, button your shirt up all crooked, shoes on the wrong feet. That's about how old we are as a church right now, uh, trying to get some stuff figured out. Uh, Four years old, man, but we've done done a lot. We've come so far in four years. Short years, but have they not felt really long, like the longest years ever since the stinking? We launched one year, one year before a global pandemic. Talk about. Bad timing for crying out loud! Uh, right when we were starting to get things settled in and start feeling good and all that kind of stuff, and all of a sudden the whole world closes down and uh, we have nowhere to meet, and nowhere to worship, and we have to figure out how to have an online ministry. We didn't—we were a year old. We didn't even have a barely had a Facebook page back then. Uh, but now here we are, hundreds and hundreds of people watching us uh, every week online, literally from forty of the fifty states. People watching, welcome all of you online parts of our family, Oaks church. God bless you. So glad you're with us. Uh, And in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of, fact, the first month of the pandemic, I was in prayer and the Lord said to me, Joel, I have a surprise up my sleeve for you. And when he said that, I instantly thought about this building. And the reason I thought about this building is because I had met one year earlier the owner of this building. His name was Jack, and Jack owned the building. I talked to him. We were renting some space for him for our offices. He said, man, I got the perfect building for you. It's perfect for a church. I wanted it to be a church. I bought it, and I thought it's got to be a church, and I had the architect design all these different things, and I marketed it to sell it as a church, and, like, four different churches came and looked at it, but none of them could afford it. They couldn't pull the trigger on it. He goes, but but it, it would just be perfect, but you can't have it because it's not for sale and it's got a long-term tenant in it and if you were to buy out their lease it would cost you like almost two million dollars just to buy their lease out and that would be a horrible financial decision so it would be perfect but you can't have it and one year later a pandemic happened and the lord said i have a surprise up my sleeve for you and i thought about this building and I called my friend Stan, who happens to be business partners with that guy, Jack, and is our real estate broker. And I said, Stan, I want to know about this building. God says he has a surprise for us. Stan says, Jack doesn't want to sell it. He loves that building. It's a cash cow. It makes him like 50 grand a month. The, I mean, it's an incredible building, and he loves it, and he doesn't want to sell it. There's just no way. I said, you call him. You call him. And I called Stan every week over and over. And I bugged Stan so hard. Four weeks later, Stan says, well, you may have heard God because so-and-so just missed her rent this month, and it was $35,000 was her rent payment for this space that we're in right now. And, and, and he said, if he misses, if she misses it again, Jack will be willing to talk. And sure enough, she missed it again, and then she missed it again, and Jack was really interested in talking. And God opened a door for a little baby church that was only two years old at the time to come into a building to put about a million and a half dollars of renovations into it so far, and to come up with another million and a half dollars to put down on it. Can you imagine a baby church? Did you know that banks won't even talk to a church until they're three to five years old? Banks don't like churches. Just don't like working with them but god had a incredible thing he had a surprise up his sleeve and this baby church called oaks church it started out like a little acorn and then turned into a little sapling and all of a sudden we bought a building that's probably now worth about eight and a half million dollars this building and we got it for 6.8 million and we only owe about 5.2 million on it and that's a lot of money that's that's a whole lot of debt right but guess what God's got us, and we're going to pay this sucker off, and at some point in time, we're going to expand, and we're going to take over. Do you know the, 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 what you see in this building when you walk around? That's about 18,500 feet. There's another almost 9,000 feet across that wall right there, and one day, that'll be Oaks Church, too. But for now, the Bow Wow people are helping pay our mortgage, so we love them. God bless you, all dogs go to heaven, right? We love them. But one day, that's going to be an incredible student ministry center, and we're going to have all kinds of adult education classes, and we're going to have all we're going to put a mommy's day out daycare. We're doing a whole front porch hangout. We're going to have an incredible. I my dream, really my dream, is to have. A pickleball court inside of our student center. I'm just telling you, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming hard, and and, and Chris doesn't even know what pickleball is. He asks me every single day. I said, it's kind of like ping pong and tennis put together, and it's, it helps... Old people feel young in Jesus' name. I don't know, I, but, but I love I, That's my dream. We're going to have that at some point in time. But God's got huge things in store. And I want to tell you, for the first four years, honestly, I have felt like we've just been barely holding on. It's been such a crazy ride. But this year, the Lord is unleashing and revealing all new vision. He's given me eight specific ministries and things that he wants to do inside of Oaks Church over the next uh, few years. This church is, is and will be a beacon of light and hope. Thousands and thousands of people are going to be saved in this church, and they're going to be saved because of you and your influence and your ministry and who you are and how you share the love of Jesus Christ with those around you. Guys, we're growing every single week. New families are coming to join and be a part. Welcome and thank you, and I, I want to encourage you. If you're new around here, the number one thing you need to do is go through the Align class. I know you're checking us out, you're kicking the tires a little bit, and, and, and but the number one thing, if you wanna really get the most out of your experience, go through the Align class, decide that you're gonna just be a part of our family, find a place to plug in and serve, find a place to uh, be in a small group, uh, decide that you're gonna be a tither and a giver, be a full-fledged member of this church and watch what God does in your life. He who plants himself and the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. Great future. And as Travis mentioned, we have a line class next week. So you can get signed up for that at the front desk. Uh, I want to jump right into this message. We're talking about stronger than is our theme. And I, can I tell you, uh, my sweet wife is at home sick. She's been dealing with some kind of weird bronchitis and... Um, Man, it hit me. Uh, last night, I had Blakely was at a volleyball tournament, and was, she made the gold medal bracket for today, and and I'm driving home at like 10 o'clock at night, and literally just like convulsing, shaking. I was in so much pain, just coughing my lungs out, and and I got home and did all these home remedies, and Adam's like, man, I got you, bro. I mean, I know it's, it's it, you know, it's our birthday and all, but if you need to rest, man, I, I got it. I got a message we can cover. We'll make it a great day. And I'm like, I am not missing our fourth birthday in the name of Jesus. I did every natural remedy, man-made onion soup with cayenne peppers, sniffing, breathing over it, lemon, hot bath, 120 degrees. I'm taking all kinds of horse medicines and all, man, I'm feeling fine today, by golly, I tell you what. (laughs) Oh, man, thank God for Mexico. You can get some really good prescriptions down there. Mm. Relationships. I love, love, love people. I think people are the point, the whole point. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves people. In the Jewish uh, rule book, the laws, there's over 600 and something laws that they have to fulfill to be perfect. And Jesus summed all of those up into one word, love. Love the law of love he said if you'll just love god and love god's people you know loving god is pretty easy but those people right can be so challenging i mean you can you can be halfway out of the parking lot and someone cuts you off and you're waving your magic finger at them and you just lost your jesus just like that right i mean it just happens I was coming to church one morning and someone cut me off so hard. And man, I was, I got a little hot, you know, reached in my glove box, got my pistol. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But, but, but I was, I I mean, I got, I got hot, man. They cut me off hard and braked and everything. And then they turned into the Oaks church parking lot. It was one of you. (laughs) Driving like a maniac on the way to church. People are tough. But people are the point. I love long-term friendships. I hate burning bridges. I love, I love that my favorite thing is, is getting to know you and hear your stories. I love hearing your stories. As a public speaker, and as a pastor, I get to share my stories all the time. I want to hear your stories. I want to learn from you. you got so much in you. The Bible says that, that my job is to develop you as the real ministers of the Lord. You guys are the ministers of the Lord. The salva- I'm talking thousands of salvations are gonna come through your relationships. You need to be making a list of the people in your life that you wanna see God do a miracle in. And they could be challenging people. They could be hard people. I had a, one of my buddies uh, was a, uh, is a doctor uh, and a friend of mine, and and he was challenging. He was in a very challenging season of his life, and, and, and he would make fun of me all the time. He would call me a Bible banger and a holy roller, This is a very wealthy, successful doctor that took the time out of his busy schedule to go in his garage and make a a rolling pin, you know, for like for cooking, spray it gold, bejewel it and glitter it and all that and gave it to me for my birthday. It was a holy roller, he said, because that's what I was, would make fun of me, tease me. For 10 years, I loved him. And we we I, and we were friends, when I, I, but I, I never pushed my belief on him. But I just lived for Jesus in front of him. And one day, when the stuff hit the fan in his life, I was his phone call, and he got radically saved, and he turned his life around. It was ten years of just loving, guys. We 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 think of the Bible says we're called to be fishers of men, and sometimes we think. That we just, I mean, it's like the, the way the Christians go about it, it's kind of like fishing. They just want to throw dynamite in the pond, blow it up, pow, and all the fish die and float to the top. Just kill them and get them to heaven. It, that's not how it works. You, you, got, you, you have to coax, you have to convince a fish that he wants what you have. And you do that using, I mean, any fisherman in the house will know that you got to be tricky, you got to be crafty, you got to know exactly what to put on that hook, you got to know just the right bait. And every different individual in your life has a different strategy. Paul literally said, I've learned how to become all things to all men so that I might win some. The reason that we are on this planet is to share the love of Jesus with everyone around us. Doesn't mean that you have to be some street corner preacher but you need to be sharing the love of Jesus. You need to be waiting and watching for those moments when someone around you is going through something and you can say, hey, can I pray with you? Hey, can I tell you what God has done in my life? Hey, could I introduce you to my church? I, would, I really feel like this has changed my life. Would you go with me on Sunday? Man, I'll buy you lunch. You have no idea how influential you can be in populating heaven, in depleting hell. You've got an amazing calling, but we all have different experiences with relationships. We've been, we've been beaten, abused, backstabbed, rejected, abandoned. Sometimes it's easier to just block everybody out, put our walls up, keep people at a distance because we don't want to, we don't want to get hurt again. But the reality is the best things in life come through the people God sends us. I'm gonna put this word relationships up on the screen and I'm gonna separate it because I want you to, I want you to see something. In, in our world, we live in the Amazon era. Uh, the Amazon guy, the UPS guy, they know Jennifer by name. Uh, we live in the country. We live 45 minutes out. I would have never bought 12 acres in the middle of nowhere on the way to Oklahoma if I knew I was planting a church, but we did. And we have a wonderful little piece of America out there. And uh, we don't have real grocery stores. We have a, what's called a spring market. Y'all don't know nothing about the spring market. Spring market's about as big as this auditorium right here. And it's got just the essentials. You want a real grocery store? You can drive 40 minutes to McKinney and find a real grocery store. I didn't realize what I was getting into, but it's wonderful out there. People are sane. Uh, they don't act too crazy. And... and, and uh, but the reality is there's nowhere to shop, so everything comes to us online. I want to show you, we went to Florida for a couple days to a pastor's and missionaries retreat. And when we got back, this was, this was our front entryway. Um, that is 31 packages that showed up at our house in three days. 31 packages. That's very impressive. And I promise you, Jennifer saved me so much money on the deals that she found because she's very, very good at finding those deals. But but we live at the Scrivener house. We live based on the ship's that bring things to us. We Right now, we have furniture that's somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, or I don't even know Pacific, I don't know which ocean it's on, but it's in a boat somewhere. We got furniture on a boat that's coming. It's on a ship, and one day it's gonna get to America. In Jesus' name, it's gonna get to America, and we're actually gonna have a couch that came from somewhere else on a ship. Then it's going to get here from the boat. They're going to put it in a big semi and they're going to bring it on a land ship. There's airships and seaships and land ships. But what God uses is relationships. God brings the best things in your life through the people he gives you as a gift. People are a gift. Oh, sometimes they feel like a curse. Have you ever prayed for God to take someone out of your life, Will? Have you ever done that? God, please, take not your spouse. Don't pray that one. No, I mean, I have prayed, Father, this person is miserable in my life. They're miserable. They make me miserable. Please take them out of my life. They're driving me crazy. Prayed that prayer multiple times. I'm sad to say. Some people are like these little leeches. They just suck onto your neck. They suck the life out of you. Just suck it on your. You know who I'm talking about? The people that your phone rings and you look at it, you're like, oh, I cannot deal with that. The people that you'll only answer the call if you have exactly seven minutes between your next appointment, and you can open the call and say, "Oh my God, I'm walking right into a meeting, but I'm, you're so important, I did not want to miss your call, but I have exactly seven minutes before I have to get off. You've never done that. Now you know my trick. If I ever say that when you call, you're this one right here. I'm just I'm just, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I want to take you to a place in Scripture. There's a thing um, when you're studying the Bible that scholars use. It's a phrase. It's called the law of first mention. And what that means is the first time that something is mentioned in Scripture, it sets a framework and an expectation and and essentially a launch pad for what that thing will be anywhere else in the future. So I'm going to take you to the first set of relationships in Scripture. Uh, This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, plural, make man in our image, plural, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So I want you to see something. God, the Bible declares, is one. The Bible says, I, the Lord, am one. There's only one God. But inside of God, there are three parts that are essential. We have the the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit are all a part of one God. There's a spirit component, there's a father component, there's a son component. Now, inside of mankind, God originally made mankind, Adam, to be one body, But inside of one body, there was both masculine and feminine in one body. So just like this verse shows God as a plural, yet He's one. Let us plural make man in our image, plural, and then according to our likeness, plural. And it says that so He created in His own image, and in. Them in his own image, in in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. They were plural, yet in one body. This is a very interesting and confusing thing. So, God needs nothing, he desires something worship, respect, honor. That's what God desires. But God doesn't need anything. God is self-contained, he's self-sustainable, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present, God lacks nothing, he has everything, he made man according to his image and according to his likeness, but man is not self-sustaining, man is not all-knowing, man is not all-powerful, man is not all-present, man has needs. So, man was made in one body with both the masculine and the feminine in the same body. And then told to be in dominion, to go and to name all the animals. The word name means character and authority. So, he was to speak the character and the authority over each and every animal. Have you ever looked at the animal kingdom? Consider the platypus, it's half otter. Half beaver, half duck, three halves. That's how we do math in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's how I grew up. Platypus, Adam named that. Can you, can you imagine the laugh God had the day he made the platypus? Let's see what he comes up with on this one, right? Hippopotamus, big old stinker. Who would think the deadliest animal in the world kills more humans than any other animal? The hippopotamus? Really? That chubby little thing? God made him. Adam named him. And it says that Adam went throughout creation and there was not a suitable helper found. No helper. No one that matched him. And so God put him to sleep and in his sleep, God reached inside of Adam and he pulled out a large portion of the feminine. Not all of it, not all of it, but a large portion of the feminine and he fashioned another human being. It says that he pulled a rib out and out of the rib, he made another being, he made Eve. In Genesis 2 verse 23 says, Then the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Woman means out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. Amen. So this is what you need to understand. Mankind was inside of one body. God separated them out and then the command them to be joined together. Interesting. So a, a separation is created, but the command is for them to join together. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Take dominion. That's a great mandate. God's mandate for us as mankind is to be in charge and be fruitful. Be in charge and be fruitful. That's a great command. And it's a partnership between man and woman. He made man and women to be partners. One is not greater than the other. One is not more important than the other. They're both equals, but they have specific roles that we're going to walk through. They have specific giftings that we're going to walk through. We're different. Men and women are different. They're not the same. They're just not the same. They're different. Now, what's interesting, and I want to point this out, is that there are men that are super outdoorsy and masculine and whatever, and then there are men that aren't as masculine. They're more artsy. They're more musical. They're more creative. They're more designy, whatever. That doesn't have anything to do with their sexuality. There are women who are super girly girl. And there are women who have more of the masculine quality. Has nothing to do with their sexuality. Has everything to do with the simple fact that when mankind was designed, it had both masculine and feminine inside of one body. So I... I actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have estrogen in my body. Hopefully not too much. Women have testosterone in their body. Hopefully not too much. But we're supposed to have a connection between each other. And just because a young boy is less athletic and more artsy, doesn't have anything to do with his sexuality. But the world wants to put a label on him and convince him that simply because he's not a football player or a jock, then he must be gay. Because he likes art, he likes to cook. It's a lie of the devil. Marriage is a sacred relationship. In fact, marriage is the prototype for all partnerships. This is the first relationship, the first human relationship. Now, the first relationship was God with mankind. So that relationship has to be first. My relationship with the Father in heaven is more important than my relationship with my wife and children. Doesn't mean that my relationship with my wife and children is not incredibly massively important. But if I don't prioritize my time and my relationship with my father, I am not as good for my wife and children. They want me to spend time with Jesus because I'm a better me for them. I want them to spend time with Jesus. Their relationship, I will never, if my wife says, babe, I, I, I can for 30 minutes, I just need to pray. I just need to be alone with God. I just need to pray. I will, do, I will move heaven and earth To create the opportunity and the space for her to have connection with God. Why? Because it's more important than me. It's more important than me. It's the first and most important relationship. The second most important relationship is a husband and a wife. The the, the marriage relationship is the picture of God's connection in the earth. Ephesians chapter five, verse 31, watch this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. This is the apostle Paul writing to Ephesians and he's referencing the verse I just read to you in Genesis chapter two. A man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. The picture we see here is the picture When God is in the center of a relationship, God is the centerpiece. Then there's the husband and then there's the wife. That is the picture of God, Jesus, and his church. It's the picture of God's government. Interestingly enough, it's the picture of our American government and what it was built to be. We have three branches. We have an executive branch that's over all of them makes executive orders, sometimes way too many. Then we have a legislative branch, our Congress, that makes the laws, puts things into action. Then we have a judicial branch that actually meets things out inside of society and and rules over the different rulings that the lawmakers have made and blends it into society. That's the picture of the father, the husband, and the wife. That's the picture of of our government. Now, our government is flawed, because there's humans involved and apparently a lot of dumb ones. Um. <laughs> Just a few. But if more of y'all would run for office, we'd have less dumb ones in there. Maybe some of y'all need to run for office. for I don't know. But I promise you, as flawed as our government is, it's better, it's better than a tyrannical dictator like they have in Africa or... Or, or South America, or different parts of the world, Asia, China, you got, you've got horrific, evil dictators that aren't held in check at all. So our government, flaws, flawed as it is, is a picture of God's kingdom with an executive, judicial, or, or, or uh, you know what I'm talking about. You know the thing, come on. <laughs> Legislative. judicial branch oh this is fun but marriage is sacred It's, it's important you guys understand this as the church we love all people we love all people but we love God more and God's word is the foundation for everything so marriage is sacred marriage is defined by God it was created by God it's defined by God Man does not get to define marriage. Now, humans can do whatever humans want to do. Sinners are going to sin. But that doesn't mean that I ever back down. I will never back down from what the Bible says about marriage. Marriage is between a husband and a wife, between a man and a woman. That is the picture of Jesus and his church, and we never back down from that. We'll love people. I've met many people that are married, and they are of the same sex, and I love them, and I respect them. But I need to be respected, too, because this is what the Bible says. This is what I believe in. I don't need to apologize for it. This is what I believe. And and God's word is the truth. So I'm going to stand on God's word. People can do whatever they want to do. But when it comes to the church, we are the authority at the church. Amen? We never back down from that. We see an incredible picture. I, I, I mentioned that marriage is the prototype for all partnerships. We see a picture of relationship inside of uh, of scriptures where you have a, like a Jonathan and a David, where, where they form a bond, they form what's called a covenant, and it takes on a lot of the same principles as a marriage does. They exchanged ropes, they exchanged belts, they exchanged their weapons, they made vows. They said, I will never harm you. I will always honor your family lineage. I will always take care of your family as if it was my own. Jonathan and David formed a covenant together It was very similar to a marriage vow covenant. And the reason is because marriage is the prototype for all relationships. So inside of the picture of husband and wife, you can find principles that will actually fix every other relationship in your life. Your partnerships. And God's word is the foundation for all relationship. God decides. And God declared. I want to take you to a place in scripture where you can see that what happened in the Garden of Eden in the first relationship, when mankind fell and when a curse came upon mankind, that it centered around a misunderstanding and a misappropriation of God's word. God said one thing. And mankind did not hold on to the word of God properly. And evil was able to slip in. God's word is the foundation. Jennifer and I have been married for 27 and a half years. We've been together for 29 and a half years. We've had lots of bumps in the road. We've had lots of ups and downs. But I can promise you, what's held us together is the word of God. What's held us together, there have been times where she's like, I don't think this is going to work. I think maybe it was a mistake. There's been times when I've I've said, I I really don't think this is going to work. I can't keep going on like this. We've both been in that place. But what holds us together is we know what God has said. We know what God has declared. We know what God said over our relationship. We know that God has called us together. We know that our relationship is the platform for our children to launch off of. And so there's nothing that I won't do. There's nothing that I won't endure. There's nothing that I won't suffer for my children. And so what we've learned to do is we've learned to speak God's word over our relationship. When we're tempted to speak something else, we speak God's word over our relationship. This is what God has declared. This is what God says. This is where we're going. This is our future. We declare God's word over our relationship. God's word is the foundation for all relationship. So let's, let's look at the scripture in Genesis chapter two, verse 16. Let's look at what God actually said to Adam. Now he said this to Adam while Eve was still inside of his body. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God was very clear. Yet somehow, a communication breakdown happened. Uh, there, there was a, a great Bible teacher named Ed Cole who started an amazing men's movement years ago, Promise Keepers. And he had a book. He wrote many, many books. He was a fantastic teacher, an absolute man's man. He, to me, he was almost like the Sean Connery of preachers. Uh, he just had this moxie to him. He just had this, you know, this, he had this bravado. He was just, just a real man's man. But he wrote a book, and it was called Communication, Sex, and Money. And it was about marriage. And it was about the three main things that that marriages fall apart over, communication, sex, and money. And I can tell you that the number one thing is communication, and oftentimes it's it's, it's communication about sex and money. Communication breakdown is what caused the fall of mankind. When the serpent came to Eve, he asked Eve a question. He was fishing. He was looking for a loophole. He was looking for a way in. See, Satan is an eternal being. He knows God's word. He's way smarter than you. He's not limited inside of this space-time continuum. He's an eternal being. He knows the word of God. And so he was questioning Eve, looking for a loophole. And he found one. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals and the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat? from the tree in the garden, from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from all the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And right there, the devil knew he had her because she didn't know God's word. She didn't know what God had actually said. Now, we don't know how this happened. We don't know if it was just one of those days Adam was tired. He'd been out there uh, counting chimpanzees or, 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 you know, counting the spots on the cheetahs or we don't know. We, what, hey, but, but Adam was he, was, he was ready for a cold beer and, and he was ready to put his feet up and get the remote and watch the Eagles lose in the name of Jesus. And, and he, um, and Eve was asking questions. Have you ever had one of those moments where, 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 where the wife is just asking questions and you're done with questions for the day? You ever been done with questions? We're gonna start a marriage counseling right after the service. <laughs> I can imagine Adam being like, and, and, and Eve's like, "But, but what is, what is it about that? I mean, the, why? Why can't we? Because the tree—it looks really good. I mean, I, did you look at it, Adam? I mean, the tree. I mean, it, I saw it the other day, and it kind of smelled good, and I mean, it was kind of nice. I—I I don't know. What do you? And I can imagine Adam just kind of getting frustrated with all the questions, and he's like, "Listen, listen. God just—God said, just don't touch it. Just don't touch it. Okay." You'll die if you touch it. I don't know, when wasn't there. But somehow, we have a miscommunication. And Adam's failure to keep, this is so big. Adam's failure to keep the actual word of God as the centerpiece of his relationship set his wife up to be vulnerable for the devil. Adam's job was to protect her. Adam's job was to cover her. Adam's job was to be her security. Adam's job was to make her feel safe, but he didn't do it. He somehow abdicated his position and he put her in a position to be vulnerable and the enemy had his way with Eve. Adam had a part to play. Interesting though, how women have been demonized all through society because of Eve. There are cultures on our planet right now that treat women so horrifically. And it all stems back to this moment. Good, godly communication makes a relationship. Bad communication breaks a relationship. Back in the 80s and 90s, we had this band called Bad Company. Remember Bad Company? Oh man, they were rocking. Bad Company, it came came out of, the name came out of a Bible verse. Bad Company corrupts good morals. Do you know what the actual verse says? Bad Company corrupts good morals? When you look at the original word, the etymology of the original words, it actually says evil communication or bad communication corrupts good morals. Communication is so important. And specifically, speaking and declaring God's word. How you talk to people matters. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. My cell phone has a setting on it where I can make Siri sound like whatever I want. So my Siri sounds like a beautiful South African female. My wife asked me, why did you pick that? And I said, you know why. I said, baby, if you talk to me like that, I would do anything at any time at any moment if you talk to me like that. So she picked the Australian man (laughs) as her voice. I think she's imagining Thor every time he talks, you know. (laughs) How you talk to each other. Can I tell you that Jennifer and I weren't good at this for 20 years? For 20 years, we weren't good at this. We didn't talk nice to each other, we were too critical too harsh, too complainy, too naggy. Can I tell you that opens a massive door for the devil? The scripture is very clear when it talks all through Proverbs. If you've been reading the Proverbs with us, you've read in Proverbs all about the adulterous woman, all about the prostitute, all about the harlot and how she seduces and how she lures the foolish man away. Seduction is not only a female thing. uh, That was from Solomon's perspective. Solomon had a a, uh, kind of a, a, I don't know what you would call it, a master's doctorate level degree on seduction. Uh, The guy had a thousand wives and concubines and whatever, so he was kind of an expert on that. uh, but but he, he's writing about the seductive woman. He didn't, when he talked about the seductive woman, he didn't talk about how, how she looked. He didn't talk about her body. He didn't talk about her hips that don't lie. He talked about how her lips were like honey and her tongue was as smooth as oil. With her speech, she led him astray. Husbands, you better talk sweet to your wife. Because somebody else is gonna. Wives, you better talk sweet to your husband. It's not gonna be, why is it that when people cheat, it's always someone uglier than their spouse? Have you seen that? It's not just me. I mean, look at Arnold Schwarzenegger for crying out loud. I'm sorry, that was so bad. But it's always that way. They're cheating with someone uglier than the one they got. It's because the ugly one talks sweet. It's not the hips, it's the lips. Remember that. You gotta talk sweet. Jennifer and I work on this. We work on this. We try so hard. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Oh, it's so easy just to pop off and say something. It's so easy just to be short-tempered. It's so easy just to, ah, whatever. But God, we gotta talk sweet to each other. So important How you talk to your employees. I, I, as, a, as a business coach, I've been inside of different businesses and I've watched the owner come in and the way he talks to his employees literally makes them go into a fetal position. I watch people crater. And so what I do then is I go begin to work on the boss because it's not the employee that's underperforming. It's a boss that's crippling his employees by not talking to them the right way. You gotta coach him, you gotta nurture him. You gotta talk to them like they're your kids. You gotta mentor them. You gotta develop them. How you talk to your boss, you better believe that matters. You'll be getting a pink slip. You better respect your boss. You better talk sweet. You better talk kind. Your kids? Well, they're my kids. I I could tell them what, listen. And they're gonna hit an age where they get to choose if they show up at Christmas or not. You wanna be alone later? Keep talking, keep talking sour. You'll be alone. You gotta talk sweet. The Bible says God's word is like, it's like a honeycomb. It's satisfying, it's sweet, it's healing. Jennifer and I are very careful. And listen, we, we are not perfect. We still have disagreements. We, we, I mean, I haven't thrown anything in a long time. At least three weeks. We're working on this, but we work really hard on it and we're getting so much better at it. You gotta talk sweet. It's so important the way you talk to people. And this is where it comes down to it. I'm gonna close with this last passage. I wanna talk to you about the principles I mentioned earlier called love and respect. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Remember, marriage is the prototype for all relationships. So the secret for a successful marriage is the secret for any great relationship. The secret for having a great marriage is the secret for having any great partnership. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's mutual. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There is a time, watch this. There's a time when I submit to my employees because I've empowered them and I've entrusted them to be the experts in their areas. So I submit to them and expect them to be that expert and I trust them and I allow them to be the, the boss that they're called to be in their area. And then there's a time that they submit to me Because I sign their checks. There's a time when I I will submit to my children. What? Because I want them to hear the voice of God for themselves. I'm not some evil dictator that rules over them. I want them to hear the voice of God for themselves. So I'll ask them questions and I'll lead them on a discovery uh, so that they can hear the voice of God. And I submit to allow them to go on a process so that they can come into a place of adult, mature uh, life and, and they can actually be, spread their wings and fly and be empowered to hear the voice of God and obey it. So I'll submit to that. But there's also a time where they have to remember that they have no income. And their whole life is in my hands. So it's mutual. There's a time where I submit to my wife because she's right. And I need to listen. She's watching right now. She's at home with bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. But she's right. My wife has this sixth sense. She can just tell when something's off on a person. And I'm the one, I'm like the golden retriever. And she's like the bobcat, just side-eyeing I'm getting ready to, just, I just want to c- cuddle and hug and snuggle and whatever, and she's like... She'll get you. Man, I gotta listen to her because she's right. She's right. And there's nothing worse than the I told you so, I hear later. Gotta listen, submit. But God in this passage gives specific instructions. We're both called to submit one to another in every type of relationship but specific instructions to wives and specific instructions to husbands, specific instructions to women and specific instructions to men. Wives, submit submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior, now as the church submits to Christ, so also, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Oh and liberals do not like that. That does not sound like equality. And I say, "Shut up, because God knows better than you." God knows. See, here's the problem. We have an idea of submission that's negative. Um, I've trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's a submission art. The entire goal is to force your opponent into submission. Whoever submits, loses. That's how we see submission. That's how we view submission. There was a time where I was in prayer and I was really frustrated. And the Lord told me, you need to submit to your wife And I said, are you out of your mind? God, if I give her an inch, she'll take a mile. You know that woman. She'll run over me with a side, run down the other side. I'll have tire tracks all over me. I'll never get the reins back. That's my prayer. That's how I pray. He's like, I said, submit to your wife. I said, I don't get it. He says, I know. And you won't get it until you sow it. If you sow submission, you'll reap submission. Whatever you sow, you reap. The word submission is not a negative word. It's actually a military word. It's actually an incredibly powerful word. It means to align yourself under authority for a military advancement. So when a wife submits herself to her husband, it's not about her husband. It's about God. It's about God's flow of authority that God understands that in a, in a, in a partnership, it's fifty one forty nine. Someone has to have the last say. Someone has to have the one extra percentage to say, you know what, we're not in agreement. So right now, here's what we're doing. And oftentimes, we make a wrong decision. Happens. But God has chosen man to be the head because that's his design. He made man first in his image. Then he took woman out of man. And he made her with a different set of needs than man has. And he gave different sets of instructions to each of them. So when a woman submits under her husband, she's not putting herself in a weak position. She's putting herself in a powerful position because she's aligned for a military movement under God's authority through her husband. And what she actually does is she positions her husband to be unbelievably powerful for God. The refusal to submit actually weakens your husband and produces a husband that you despise because you castrate him and then you're mad that he's not manly enough to lead but you're the one chopping him oh this is too real ain't it but if you empower him aligned under God you have the ability to sow and reap a harvest of a godly husband they will be more powerful and more protecting and more providing for you than you can ever imagine. And your submission aligns that and you create your future husband. I know there's lots and lots and lots of caveats and yeah, but what about this? And yeah, what about that? And it's a general statement and some guys are just abusive jerks. And sometimes relationships don't work. And sometimes God rescues someone out of a toxic and horribly abusive relationship. But until God delivers, you submit. Until God releases you, you submit. Watch this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. So the woman is commanded to submit and the husband is commanded to die. Which one would you rather have? Jesus died for the church. The husband's job is to die for his wife. The wife's job is to submit to God under the husband. The husband's job is to die. But watch what happens. He gave himself up for her. Cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word of God and present to her Himself, present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Women were made by God to Desire and need. Now, I know now, you, it, I'm, I'm making a generalization, but I'm making it based on the Word of God. God made women to desire protection, security, strength. Little, little girls, I'm told, when they're little, they they actually dream about and, and have a fantasy about what their marriage will look like and their wedding will look like one day. Boys have never done that one day in their life. Not once. When we get to that, and the wife's like, "Which china do you want?" We're like, "I don't care. I will be eating off of paper plates because I do not want to do dishes. We don't care. Now, a man, because men... See, listen, I told you already, God doesn't need anything. God made man in his image. God does desire something. Worship, honor, respect. That's why this commandment is, however, each of you, verse 33, must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. See, the idea here is that Each of you are commanded by God to sow into the other person what the other person actually needs as their God-given need to make them whole, to heal them, to fuel them, to, to, to create something inside of them that makes them want to be the best version of themselves. And the problem is most of the time we treat our spouses or our employees or our children or our partners the way we think they deserve to be treated based on their behavior. So it's conditional. But what God gave was a command that's unconditional because God understands what you sow, you reap. So if you love your wife, even when she doesn't deserve it, you're sowing a harvest of love and you're gonna reap respect. When you respect your husband, even when his behavior doesn't deserve it, you're sowing for a harvest of respect, and you reap love. God gave an equation to heal your relationship, to heal your partnerships, to heal your marriage in this passage, and it's about sowing what the other people needs in the core of their being according to who God made them and how he designed them, and it has nothing to do with their behavior. So the more I love my wife, even when she doesn't deserve it, provokes this love inside of her that heals her, that makes her want to respect me. But when I withhold, this is what happens. She acts like a jerk, so I withhold love. I act like a jerk, so she withholds respect. And we create a toxic cycle of destruction inside of our own relationships. We're cursing our own futures. It's a decision that we make to submit to God under a husband, to die to ourselves in obedience to God, understanding that we are creating our future spouse, creating our future partner, creating our future friend, creating our future relationships. Marriage is a prototype for every relationship. The principles of love and respect work in every single relationship. And the more you understand that, the more you sow the right things, the more you reap an incredible harvest of rich relationships in your life. You can be rich in a whole lot of different ways. I prefer to be rich in friends. I want to be rich in friends. And the only way to be rich in friends is to be really, really friendly. It's about love and respect. Amen? Let me pray for you today. Father, we love you. Come on, give the Lord a hand. God's good. He's good. He's good. I'm real excited about next week. Next week, I'm preaching on Proverbs 31. You've heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. I'm gonna talk to you about the Proverbs 31 man, the type of man it takes to create a woman like that. It's gonna be good. Father, we ask you right now that you do just miracles inside of our relationships, miracles inside of the relationships with parents and their kids, miracles inside of marriages. Maybe, Maybe you came here today and your spouse didn't come because you're in a disagreement right now. Maybe you're in your house watching this and you're in a different room because your spouse doesn't wanna talk to you right now. Maybe you're sitting together, but you're sitting far apart. Maybe you rode here together, but you're you're miles apart on the inside. And I'm telling you, there's a miracle God that can restore and can heal. If God can heal my marriage, God can heal any marriage. If God could bring Jennifer and I through what we've been through and bring us closer together and now we're like college kids more in love than we've ever been, he can do it for you. It's not over. It takes humility. It takes repentance. And it takes sowing the right seeds. Sowing the right seeds into the good soil of your relationships. We're going to do this. We're going to have our prayer partners uh, and leaders just come up to the front, and we're just going to go right back into worship. And if there's anyone that needs prayer for any relationship, kids, work, marriage, whatever, we're going to be right down here. We just want to pray with you. Um, The Bible says one can put a 1,000 to flight who can put 10,000 to flight. There's a compound factor when we pray and get an agreement together. Whatever we agree upon is touching. The Bible says that that God will be in the midst of that with us. We're going to pray for you right now. Come on, do you want to just stand to your feet? We're going to worship, and anyone that needs prayer, come on down. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.